It's time for episode 195 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, June 28th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the only podcast sponsored by the Land Before Time 22. Littlefoot goes bankrupt buying avocado toast. I'm Micah Sargent, and I am joined by the one and only Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well, Micah. That, I didn't catch that Land Before Time one. I think I've seen all the previous ones, but Littlefoot must 20... be... Littlefoot's in his, like, 20s now, right? Like, he's trying to find a job, and... Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the whole millennial experience for poor Littlefoot. Uh, poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> Uh, and, of course, we are joined by two wonderful guests. To my left is Kelly Gamont, which I am sure I pronounced correctly now. We've definitely got that. How are you doing, Kelly? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Oh, uh, you know, not not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> and to my left, writer, photographer, you've seen him in a number of places like Macworld and Tidbits. It's Jeff Carlson. Hi, Jeff. Welcome back. Hey, how are you? I, I'm doing very well, thank you. Well, you all know, of course, how this podcast works. We've got two guests, we've got four topics, and we don't go longer than 30 minutes. And because I am leading things this week, I get to go first, because as I've mentioned before, I'm incredibly selfish. So, uh, here is my question for you. You know, there's there's been a debate uh, about the iPad as laptop uh, situation. And some people seem to think that an iPad cannot serve as a replacement for a computer. And others have uh, proven that it can and think that it can serve as a replacement for a computer. So my question is, <laughs> do you think that a tablet can replace a computer in your life? Uh, or have you seen it replace a computer in someone else's life? Kelly, we'll start with you. Uh I would say yes to both of those questions. Um, I have seen people, well, I've seen people replace a computer with an iPad. Um, and I've seen it for years, actually, because uh, this is a drum that I've beat for a really long time, like way back to Tua for people who think my name might sound familiar. Um, technological honesty. Like in real life, if all you're doing with your computer is you go and uh, look at your uh, banking information and you like the book face and maybe a solitaire game or or something like that and uh you know and you have access to email and a web browser and that's in real life that's all you're doing for 99% of the time you can absolutely leave the computer that you have all set up and ready to go to do that thing that you need to do once a year or you know back up your iPad to and get along really well. I have relatives who have done this for years because they wanted something a little more portable, but a laptop is a lot of money, even for a Windows laptop. Like it's more than some people want to want to really spend in order to get something that they think they're going to need. And, you know, the whole megahertz myth thing and Moore's law sort of conditioned people to go, well, obviously my computer at two years old is crap. I need a new one. And we're not really in that place anymore. And there didn't used to be an alternative option, which is the other thing that that um, 
I think people aren't necessarily giving enough credit to. If you're doing basic things that mostly require a web page or mostly require an application that is easily available on iOS, you a lot of people can do everything they need to do, even maybe on their phone or on an iPad. And for a lot of people, that's just fine. Yeah, I agree with Kelly. I think that it, it can replace a laptop, and, and as she said, does for a lot of people right now. And I certainly think of, I don't want to always make this about, like, my parents or, like, people's parents in a different generation. <laughs> but, like, I've been trying to get my dad, I would love to get my dad on an iPad instead of a MacBook. His MacBook, his very old, like, eight-year-old MacBook broke the other year. And I tried to convince him that he should just get an iPad. My mom has an iPad and really likes it. Uh, and he was insistent that he wanted a new MacBook just because he knew how everything worked and everything was familiar. And that's fine. You know, that's what we went with. But he uses... So we bought him a MacBook Pro and he uses so little of what that computer is actually capable of doing <laughs> that he could yeah. get by with an iPad very easily. He just doesn't want to adapt. That's fine. Um, but I think for a lot of people, as Kelly said, like web browsing and email, I feel like takes up so much of what most people do on their computers that there's really not a lot that's left over we transitioned both my aunt and uncle to ipads a few years back and for a while the only thing that was kind of a holdout was printing but we in, in the end decided it was just easier and cheaper to buy a new printer that worked with AirPrint and mm -hmm. let them print from that than it was to keep around like an old dell laptop just for the purposes of printing things so I wholeheartedly believe that the iPad can replace the laptop for a lot of people. I think, you know, it's the, the car versus truck analogy that Steve Jobs once used has been trotted out a lot. But I think it's 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 appropriate. Like, I think there is most people are going to get by with a tablet or possibly something like Chromebook. And really, only a few people are eventually going to be at the point where they still really need a computer. Whether you want a computer or are more comfortable with a computer, as my dad was, that's a whole different story. I would agree. Um, this actually became a very practical question for me when the MacBook Pro came out because my old uh, MacBook Pro was really on its last legs. And so the, the idea was, you know, do I spend a lot of money and get a brand new fancy touch bar MacBook Pro or do I go in a different direction and buy a, an iMac for my desktop at home and then just carry an iPad Pro everywhere else if I want to work in coffee shops or downstairs or whatever. And ultimately, I realized that although I could probably do, you know, 80 to 90% of what I need remotely, there would always be, you know, something that would hang me up just in my own personal experience. So, you know, having to test um, uh, photo editing apps on the Mac and then suddenly I'm, I'm either having to uh, be chained to one place or um, you know, be, be limited in, in as, as Kelly mentioned, you know, s some of the things that you can do in Lightroom, like tagging and organizing. So, um, you know, yes, it's absolutely possible. Um, I actually just wrote an article or just published in uh, Macworld about using uh, the iPad Pro as a photographer's tool and how I think a lot of the, the, the hardware and the software and some improvements in iOS make it possible to have an iPad as your your photo um, basically your your photo computer as you are um, you know like on a, a photo workshop or you're away for the weekend or something like that um, it it does so much more now but as a you know 24 hour I'm going to completely switch to this eh, not quite yet but for a lot of people, it completely works, and th they're probably scratching their head going, why are we still talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for your answers. I, I, I agree uh, pretty much with everybody. I think ultimately here, iPad 
You are great, and I'm happy for what you can do for me. And uh, Mac, you're great, and I'm happy for what you can do for me. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to Kelly's question. Kelly, what do you have for us? What's your topic? Uh, mine is going to sound similar at first to what we were just discussing with tablets, but mine's a little bit larger in scale if we zoom out a little bit. Um, there's a term that Jeff's familiar with. Um, so like le letting people like things like, um, the thing that leaps to my mind right now is Dan, your story about your dad, but I want a computer. Like, you know, right. I don't want to, I don't want an iPad, a computer's what I want and like, and that's what I want to do again. And the thing that I think gets missed a lot of times is, uh, not for you isn't the same thing as not for everyone. And or not for a, another group of people, um, you know, and, and we've seen a lot of this lately. Uh, you know, I can bring up tons of examples like the Wonder Woman movie, for example, um, and Alamo Draft House's handling of that, which has a, dear, a near and dear place in my heart, but uh, made some people unreasonably angry. And, you know, the example I have is, you know, if everything in your life is flathead screws, it's OK if you're not really excited about the new Phillips screwdriver. <laughs> like have the right tool for what you're doing or the thing that you just prefer like i've gone flathead screw at my house and you know and and that's what i like that's what i'm comfortable with that's what i'm going to keep using and i feel like there's a lot of particularly i think because of what my my viewpoint is which is um, a lot of tech press specifically about apple um there's a whole bunch of uh, you know, the, 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 when I remember when the MacBook Air was first released and I was in the room when Steve Jobs walked out on stage and pulled it on stage and pulled it out of that manila envelope. And I was very excited about that, even though I had no desire for one. I thought it was really cool and I knew tons of people who could get there, but I'm a person who likes my laptop as my daily driver. So this computer in its initial form was your outpost machine, you know, much the way that Jeff is using an iPad now. And, for people who have that setup, that's fantastic. And I'm not that person, but that doesn't mean it's not a cool machine and, and people were really into it. And there were a lot of people who couldn't wait to get their hands on one. And I was excited for them. And I think I probably wrote some stuff about the MacBook Air and how interesting it was and how that was going to change computing for people to have a super duper portable laptop at the time. And you know, I think that there's a lot of dismissal of stuff, you know, particularly with Apple's evolution to become a super com a super consumer product company. A lot of power users, end users, tech writers look at something that comes out and go, eh, like, I don't like that. I don't understand why why this is something that people would find useful because I'm not seeing anything from other people. So you know, I'm going to I'm going to hate on this until the end of time because I think that it's ridiculous because it's not for me. Right. Yeah. Well, I no, I agree. This is the difficult thing is being a, a tech journalist is I think you have to generalize beyond your own experience. And that is not always the case with other types of reviews, for example, movie reviews. Right. Like I feel like. Yeah. There's, there's a very personal opinion there. And so with tech reviews, because we're talking about tools, I, I think, and people with, with tech reviews usually have very deep tech knowledge, and they 
you know, obviously their experience is going to be their experience. Um, and so, you know, to, to cast our minds back to that last question that Mike asked, you know, I, I could use an iPad as a, as a laptop, and I do some days, but there are definitely things that it doesn't replace for me. I can't record and edit a podcast as easily on an iPad. Uh, and I, you know, that, that is a thing that is, I need to do a lot. So for me, the, the Mac is still going to fill that niche. But also, I just, after 30 years of using a Mac, I am very comfortable with all the things that I do there. And so for me, I'm a lot faster (laughs) at doing many things on a Mac. That's fine. Exactly. That doesn't mean that, like, everybody else is wrong about it. It just means that that is the tool that is right for me right now. And it can change, too. So I I think it's what you're describing, Kelly, is a really definitely uh, a problem in a lot of places in the in the tech press it is tricky to try and like extend think about how this might impact other people especially people who aren't as technically savvy so having that kind of broad experiences is really valuable and i think it's important to keep that in mind when we're talking about these things clearly uh you're both wrong no um Um, I'm going to go to echo all of this. Um, I, I think a, a lot of it um, is uh, you know, the, the same sort of like, in addition to um, being sort of technology inclined and, you know, honestly, like as tech people, um, we have the answer to a lot of things. Like we have like, like this is the correct answer for, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, and that's just sort of ballooned out into, into culture, into interactions and made things a lot more, um, sort of rapid fire. Like I just tried to demonstrate where it's like, oh, well, no, of course you're wrong. Well, why, you know, like oftentimes there's not, uh, much time spent on on any of the why, then it just sort of becomes like a game of you know one upsmanship and and what have you. One of the great things uh, that's happened to um, uh, me and my daughter are the last couple of years. We attended the Emerald City Comic Con for the first time, and um, she's she's nine now. Uh, she was eight when, when we first went, and what was fantastic about that was. Um, just the fact that that we could go and like I, I got to explain to her and she of course um, you know f- got this immediately was that like like all these people who are dressed up in the wildest costumes and and mashups and you know I mean there were so many things that I was like I have no idea what that is or like if it's even a comic book or a movie or what but it's awesome and just <laughs> that 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 aspect of you know like all these people are here because they love something or they're enthusiastic about something and you know it it doesn't matter what it is and to just go and uh you know step on that just because someone's enthusiastic about it like that that's a terrible way to live and that's that's you know it doesn't really help anybody and so you know making this a a a celebration of someone's interests rather than oh you know uh marvel versus dc or you know any of that that she doesn't know about which i'm happy about so far (laughs) that was the best way to to introduce this and and that comes up every once in a while too it's like okay well here's something that somebody really likes and it that may not be for you but they really like it and isn't it great that they really like something that much 
Yeah, uh, I'm watching the clock and it's quickly ticking away from me. So I'm going to give some quick thoughts and then we'll move on to halftime. Um, I absolutely, I, I think that, you know, everybody's touched on some really good points here. And one of the things that I try to advocate for and something that I think is super important is empathy in every single thing that we do. And that includes technology and creating technology and technology and tech reporting and understanding that, yes, even though uh, as technologists, we have to sort of generalize it's also important to remind people that our experiences are not everyone's experiences and remind ourselves of that. And I can remember back when the Apple Watch first came out and there were people complaining about how the notifications constantly buzzed on their wrists and bothered them and everything was, you know, constantly coming in. I got the Apple Watch. I was not as important as the person who was doing the technology review. So I wasn't <laughs> getting a billion buzzes on my wrist and I found it to be an actually delightful device. And so I think that's important for people to keep in mind when they are talking talking about technology. And now Alexa apparently is listening to me out my hallway and talking to me right now. But uh, so keep that in mind too. I'll have some empathy there. Um, okay, let's go ahead and move on to halftime before we hit the second half of the show. And I want to tell you all about our friends at Away. And that is who this episode is brought to you by. Your luggage should not cost more than your plane ticket. And that's why Away makes smart premium suitcases for under $300. Go to awaytravel.com slash clockwise now and browse Away's suitcases all made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and it's still lightweight. Away offers four sizes of suitcase. You can get the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, which is probably my favorite name, the medium and the large. And they have nine great colors for you to choose from, including one of the most beautiful greens I've ever seen. Away suitcases feature a patent-pending compression system, which is great if you're an overpacker like me, along with four 360-degree spinner wheels. Away's carry-ons are compliant with all major U.S. airlines while still maximizing the amount you can pack. They also have TSA combination locks built in, so you can keep things locked up, and they can be unlocked if they need to be. And a removable, washable laundry bag, so you can separate your clean clothes from your worn ones. Perhaps one of Away's best features is that both sizes of the carry-on have USB ports, so you can charge your devices while you're traveling. A single charge of the Away carry-on can provide enough battery to charge your phone five doggone times, and you're never going to be without power again. Now, most people talk about that awesome USB charger, and I think it's great, but my favorite feature is actually the laundry bag, because I always end up just like finding, I usually take like the ice bag that's in the hotel room and use that to put my dirty clothes in. Mm -hmm. Now I have a bag that comes inside the thing. It's, it's fantastic. Also, it's water resistant as well, so if you end up like swimming in the hotel pool or whatever, you can stick your trunks in there. It's, it's great. Now, Away believes in the quality of their products, and they have a lifetime guarantee if anything breaks, they're going to replace it for life. They also have a 100-day trial with a no-questions-asked return policy, and you get free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the United States. Travel smarter with a suitcase that, cha that charges your phone. To find out more about Away, go to awaytravel.com slash clockwise, and if you use the code clockwise at checkout, you're going to get $20 off any of their suitcases. Now again, that's awaytravel.com slash clockwise, and use the code clockwise for $20 off. Thank you so much to Away for your support of this show and all of Relay. 
All right, let's kick it off with Dan's topic. What do you got for us, Dan? All right, so iOS 11 has hit public beta this week. My question for you guys, do you install betas? Will you be installing this one? Why or why not? Jeff? I love public betas, um, although I don't love to install them right away. <laughs> um, so my my general uh, approach is to, is to uh, start installing like after about like the third or fourth beta, um, and and th- this is usually the the developer betas, which are um, I think sometimes a little more brittle than the public beta. Um, I I definitely uh, love to to be able to start playing with things, um, and it's going to be coming up soon um p- part of the issue is uh devices i i need to do some device juggling because i i don't know that i want them on my main devices especially not my iphone the, the iphone i usually just keep um until very very late beta just because it's the thing that i always have with me um but uh you know if if possible if you have another device that you can do some testing with it's great to dig in and see what's new and get familiar and you know especially for um those of us who are writing about it and and giving advice and things um it's it's definitely something that will be happening um i i absolutely i i I install things immediately i can't help it uh it's partially that i have no self-control and partially (laughs) because i have to to write about these things and uh try to try to share thoughts on them as quickly as possible um i install you know betas on day one typically except with apple watch because you if you break your apple watch then you will likely have descended in um as for public betas I, I try to get my partner to uh, use the public beta because he is like my my example of of what a non techie person is and does and thinks, and so I could kind of like ask him questions about what he thinks about different things and use those to be kind of the you know the empathy thing I was talking about. Um, now I have not convinced him to install the public beta yet, but I am slowly but surely working on that. <laughs> what about you, Kelly? Uh, I adhere to what I like to call the Star Trek rule of betas, the Star Trek movie rule of betas, which is even numbers only. <laughs> um, so I, I um, like at Dub Dub, you know, Tim comes out and says the next version of iOS and uh, my day job is tech support. And so the first thing I think is, oh, God, how long is it going to take before someone writes in and says this is completely broken on the new developer beta? You know, because if everybody gets it Monday morning, then I'm sure like by Monday afternoon, I'm going to get somebody who says your software doesn't work in the brand new version. And sometimes I feel like I have to explain what developer beta means to people. Uh, We're developers, too, (laughs) and we got it at the same time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and and all of our developers are at some conference in California, so we don't have a fix for it right now. (laughs) Um, So what I tend to do is... uh, I have an iPad, and so usually what I will do is about the time we get to um, beta 2, if I haven't heard that you know it's going to rip a hole in the fabric of space-time, then usually I will put that on my iPad and see how it works on my iPad. And I have found that it's a very different experience to have a beta in each place. I used to have um, a lot more hardware that I would use to, to beta test, uh, particularly iOS. Um, so what I have found is that, uh, sometimes it's a very new experience on the iPad as opposed to on the phone. And I think iOS 11 is going to be one of those. So I've been listening to like feedback about beta two and it seems like it might be okay. So, uh, I think I'm going to hold off on that, but see, my problem is I'm a long time tech 
person. So I learned a long time ago, like, don't install the system update until you find out what's up. Yeah, I well, so I, I asked the question. Obviously, I'm a tech writer for my day job, so I I don't well needs a strong word, but I'm going to be end up writing about these things. So having a jump start on it is massively useful. I've already installed the beta on my iPad um, and seems to be going pretty well there. My phone, I'm definitely more hesitant to do, in part because obviously it's a more crucial device for me to have, but in part also because it's handy to have a device around that doesn't have the early, that that doesn't have the beta on it for purposes of comparison. So I, you know, and it comes with its dangers, as people have said. Like, there's definitely uh, risks involved with installing a beta, and you have to be prepared for potential data loss or bricking your device or what have you. Um, but you know, as someone who who's this is my job, uh, I end up needing to do this. So that's the way it goes. Um, <laughs> all right, that's three topics down. Last topic comes from Jeff Carlson. All right. Um, so Amazon bought Whole Foods for thirteen point seven billion dollars. Uh, but the way we shop for groceries has been evolving for a while. Um, Amazon Fresh is a service that's been around for, um, in some limited markets. Um, in Seattle, Amazon just uh, built a few locations where you can order Amazon Fresh and then go pick them up. Uh, grocery stores are also um, starting their own services. Uh, you have companies like Postmates that send someone to buy stuff uh, to bring it to you. So the question is, do you use or have you tried any modern grocery services? Uh, and what what are your thoughts about where this is going? Uh, I I have not really you know gotten into whole or any like Amazon Fresh or anything like that because it's not in my area and typically has never been. Also, Postmates is not in the area. However, I have used uh, at at some places that I've lived here in the Midwest, some of the grocery services or rather grocery stores will offer home delivery. And I do enjoy that whenever it's been an option because I can hop online, I can really quickly find deals for things, which is really nice, find some discounts. And also I don't have to drive my car to go pick up the groceries, which is also nice. And it comes to me and it's all packaged and uh, everything is ready for me. I, I dig the idea and I hope that whenever I move again soon, um, I will have more options for grocery delivery services. I have used the um, meal delivery services or tried a couple of those. And uh, I think because I sat down and tried to figure out what it was that I really liked about them. And first and foremost, what I liked about them was that the meals were already planned. Mm hmm. And so um, spending a little bit of time doing that for the week so that it's not like five o'clock and my stomach rumbling that tells me, hey, I should probably figure out what we have, you know, for dinner. And so that's been really cool. Um, the grocery store, like where where I live in Portland uh, makes Costco my corner store. So and there's only two of us at my house. So so Dangerous. that's yeah. Well, it's it's also kind of weird, you know, um, like you know, do you want some barbecue sauce? Yeah, let me get the gallon jug out of the fridge. You know? <laughs> um, so like some some things like that don't make it practical. And plus, because I live out, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it's far, but apparently it's really far for like delivery services. Um, I can use um, Fred Meyer, which is a Kroger store, uh, has this new curbside pickup thing where I can tell I can tell them what I want and pay for it. And then I can go to the store, but I don't have to go in. 
So um, that's actually pretty great. And uh, but I think for me, the biggest the biggest thing that changed my grocery shopping was trying the services and figuring out that meal planning is the thing that is the hurdle I need to get over uh, less so than the delivery stuff, because the delivery stuff is neat. But I think like right now, it's still kind of a novelty. And one of the things that I don't really enjoy grocery shopping, but one of the great things about grocery shopping, just like any in-store experience, is coming across something and going, oh, hey, like this is a dollar off this week and I would like to try it and see if it's something I want to continue to eat, you know, and and you kind of miss out on that when you aren't randomly wandering down an aisle looking for something. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of old school in my grocery store shopping. We have a you know, Whole Foods that's probably like a like a five minute drive from where I live. And so I usually end up going over there or one of the other grocery stores in the area. I have not really tried any delivery stuff. And as someone who works at home and has a flexible schedule, it's not so bad for me because I can go at hours when most people don't go to the grocery store. So I guess I'm kind of privileged in that way. I don't even order that many household goods online. I'm only just starting to do that because I find that oftentimes when I need them, it's like, oh, I need them right now. (laughs) I better go to Target and buy a new roll of paper towels because I don't have any left. Uh, Maybe that could avoid that kind of thing. I don't know. But yeah, I also agree with Kelly. I think there is uh, an amount of serendipity to walking through a grocery store and seeing what looks good this week. So I, I'm, I'm not convinced. I'm not sold, but we'll see how it goes. I'm sort of uh, straddling the fence. When Amazon Fresh first came out, and I, I have the, the um, advantage of living in Seattle, so um, I think actually they started doing it 10 years ago, uh, basically just testing. And the great thing about that was uh, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, I could realize that we need some things, put together a list, and it would be sitting on my front porch by 6 o'clock the next morning. And that was great. Um, however, since then, uh, Amazon basically restructured their fees so that uh, you have to pay like something like $300 just to do the program, um, the, the $300 a year, and that doesn't count, you know, the cost of the groceries. And so kind of cooled off on that a little bit. Um, and now I strangely feel like a, a, a bit of a Luddite because I sort of like going to the grocery store now because it's a chance to get away from, uh, you know, from work, from from the internet, from all of that. And so there's actually something sort of calming about, okay, I've got a list, I'm going to go, I need to find stuff and just walk around. Actually, I also listen to podcasts while I'm grocery shopping. So that... Th- th- that sort of undercuts my, my, my Luddite uh, get away from it all, but it's a good opportunity to just uh, be in a different headspace. Absolutely. Wow, I think uh, that, that, that wraps things up. Are we uh, at the end of four questions there? I sure think we are, and I think it's time to round things out. I would like to thank Kelly Gamont for coming on today. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. Jeff Carlson, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for the invitation. So until next week, all we have to do is remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock.